0: Fausto Appetente die, On St. Dominic. By Pope Benedict the Fifteenth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. To the patriarchs, primates, archbishops, bishops, and other ordinaries, in peace and communion with the apostolic see, on the occasion of the seventh centenary of the death of saint dominic benedict the fifteenth supreme pontiff venerable brethren health and the apostolic benediction at the approach of the happy day when seven hundred years ago that light of holiness dominic passed from this world's sorrows to the home of the blessed it is a joy to us who have so long been amongst his most devout clients more especially since the day when we began to govern the church of bologna which religiously guards the saint's remains it is a great joy to us we say to be able to call upon the faithful from this apostolic see to keep the memory of so great a saint and in doing so we are not only yielding to feelings of personal piety but also performing a duty of gratitude to the founder and lawgiver and to his renowned family dominic was holy and thoroughly a man of god so too was he perfectly a man of the church, and the church has ever found him an unconquered champion of the faith, and his order a stout bulwark of defense. Wherefore not only did Dominic in his days fortify the temple, but he took thought for its lasting defense, according to the prophetic words of Honorius III, uttered when he confirmed the order, The brethren of thy order are to be the champions of the faith and the true lights of the world. As all are aware, Jesus Christ made use of no means for the spreading of the kingdom of God than the preaching of the gospel. That is, he used the living voice of his heralds for scattering broadcast the divine teaching. Teach all nations, he said. Preach the gospel to every creature. Thus, by the preaching of the apostles, especially of St. Paul, to which preaching the doctrines of the fathers and doctors have always adhered, men's minds have been enlightened by the light of truth and their hearts enkindled with the love of virtue this was the very means dominic himself used and proposed to his brethren in order to work for the salvation of souls to give to others the fruits of contemplation with this end in view besides the obligations of poverty purity of life and religious discipline he gave a solemn and sacred command to his children ever earnestly to devote themselves to the study of doctrine and the preaching of truth and indeed, in Dominican preaching, three features have ever shown out conspicuously—great solidity of doctrine, wholehearted loyalty to the apostolic see, and eminent devotion to the Virgin Mother. Thus, although Dominic early discovered his vocation as a preacher, yet he would not undertake that office until he had labored much at philosophy and theology in the University of Palencia, and had for a long time studied the fathers from whom, as his masters and guides, he drank in the riches of the holy scriptures, especially of Paul. In what good stead his knowledge of divine things stood him was soon apparent in his disputes with heretics, for though these latter were armed with every artifice and device for overthrowing the Christian faith, yet Dominic stoutly refuted them and put them into confusion in a most wonderful way. He showed his power most conspicuously at Toulouse, which was the headquarters of the heretics and a common meeting-place for his most learned opponents. It is related that here he and his first companions, men mighty in word and deed, withstood the insolence of the heretics, broke their assault, and by his eloquence and charity touched their hearts so effectively that a great number were won back to their mother, the church. In Dominic's fight for the faith, God most manifestly stood by him. For instance, when the heretics proposed that each party should cast his books into the fire, The saint accepted the challenge, and the heretics' books were burnt up, and Dominic's alone remained untouched and unscorched by the flames. By Dominic's powerful efforts, then was Europe delivered from the Albigensian peril. This same reputation for solid teaching Dominic wished to see extended to his sons. No sooner had his order been approved by the Apostolic See and given the noble title of preachers than Dominic determined to establish his religious houses as near as possible to famous universities. He did this in order that his children might avail themselves the more easily of the instructions they were given. He also hoped that thereby many students at the universities might be moved to join his new order. The consequence was that from its very foundation the Dominican order won for itself a reputation for solidity of doctrine. Hence it has always been held to be the especial function of the order to provide remedies for the various evils which arise from erroneous teaching and to spread abroad the light of the Christian faith. All are aware that there is no greater hindrance to eternal salvation than ignorance of the truth and obstinate clinging to false opinions. Small wonder, then, that the unusual power of this apostolate, based as it was on the gospel, on the teachings of the fathers, and on a wealth of widely extended knowledge, should attract the attention of all. The wisdom of God seemed, in very truth, to speak by the members of the order. Amongst them ranked such famous heralds and defenders of Christian wisdom as Hyacinth of Poland, Peter Martyr, and Vincent Ferrer. In their ranks, too, stood such eminent men of genius, such men of prodigious learning as Albert the Great, Raymond of Penafort, and Thomas Aquinas. It was by Thomas, the greatest son of St. Dominic, that God deigned to illumine his church. The Order has indeed always been held in the highest esteem for its doctrinal teaching of the truth, and its especial glory lies in the fact that the Church has declared that Thomas's doctrine is her own, and she has made this same doctor, honored as he has been by the most remarkable eulogiums from the Supreme Pontiffs, the master and the patron of Catholic schools side by side too with this exceeding zeal for upholding and defending the faith dominic was always conspicuous for his devoted loyalty to the apostolic see thus we hear of his prostrating himself at the feet of innocent the third and dedicating himself to the defence of the roman pontiff and that very night the same pontiff our predecessor saw him bearing upon his shoulders the tottering basilica of the lateran history also tells us that when dominic had trained his first disciples in christian perfection It occurred to him to gather together from amidst pious and religiously-minded lay folk a sacred militia whose aim should be to defend the Church's rights and stoutly combat heresy. Hence the well-known Third Order of St. Dominic, which, by popularizing the ideals of a life of perfection among those living in the world, was to provide for Holy Mother Church both rare jewels for her adornment and sturdy bulwarks of defense. True heirs of their father, the sons of Dominic, have always shown themselves zealously devoted to the Apostolic See. Whenever, through the mental darkness that springs from error, the Church has had to suffer owing to popular uprisings or the violence of princes, the Apostolic See has always found in the children of St. Dominic men who, under the standard of truth and justice, were ever ready to support her supreme authority. Everyone, for example, knows the noble part played in this connection by the Dominican maiden Catherine of Siena. For she, urged as she was by the love of Christ Jesus, overcame incredible difficulties, and induced the supreme pontiff to do what none heretofore had ever been able to do, namely return to his see of Rome after an absence of seventy years. And when Catherine had secured this result, she succeeded in keeping within the faith, and in obedience to the legitimate pope, great numbers of the faithful at a time when the Western church was torn by terrible schism. Many things we must omit, yet we must not pass over the fact that of St. Dominic's children there have come four Roman pontiffs of great renown. By far the most famous of these, St. Pius V, deserves the undying remembrance of the civil as well as of the Christian world, for by dint of urgent and repeated exhortations he induced the Catholic princes to combine their forces, and thus was able at Lepanto finally to break the Turkish hordes, And this he did by the help and prayers of the Virgin, Mother of God, whom he bade us henceforth hail as help of Christians. In this last fact, we have a good example of what we learned, the third feature of Dominican preaching, an intense devotion to the Mother of God. For we are told that St. Pius was divinely informed of victory won at Lepanto at the very moment when devout associations of the faithful throughout the Catholic world were employing the help of Mary by reciting the rosary, which the founder of the friars' preachers had taught, and which he and his sons after him had been at pains to propagate far and wide. For Dominic loved the Blessed Virgin as his mother. Consequently, it was with special reliance on her protection that he undertook his task of defending the faith. When confronting the Albigensian heretics, who, in addition to their attacks upon other points of the faith, more especially heaped contempt on the divine motherhood and virginity of Mary, Dominic upheld these particular doctrines with all his might. This led him to invoke the help of the Virgin Mother by the frequent use of the invocations Deign to let me praise thee O most holy Virgin Give me strength against thine enemies How gratifying to the Queen of Heaven was this devotion of her servant is seen from the fact that she made use of him to teach to the Church the spouse of her son the most holy rosary this is a form of prayer which combines the use of mind as well as lips for in it we contemplate the principal mysteries of religion while at the same time repeating the Our Father fifteen times and fifteen decades of hail mary's hence it is well calculated to stir up devotion and nourish all virtues among god's people with justice then did dominic bid his sons lay great stress on the use of this form of prayer when preaching the word of god to the people he well knew that such was mary's influence with her son that whatsoever graces he gives to men it is really mary who administers them he knew too that so kindly and loving a mother is she that while always more than ready to help those in trouble she can never turn a deaf ear to those that appeal to her. Hence the Church has ever been wont to hail her as Mother of Grace and Mother of Mercy, and has ever found her to be such in reality, more especially when appealed to through the rosary. It is for this reason that the Roman pontiffs have never let pass any occasion for highly praising Mary's rosary, and have enriched it with many indulgences. Now, as you venerable brethren well know, dominic's order is no less suited to the needs of the present day than to the times when it was founded how many there are to-day who deprived as they are of the bread of life or heavenly teaching are practically perishing of hunger how many too who deceived by error under the guise of truth are kept from the faith by the many errors that are prevalent For priests to cope satisfactorily with the needs of all these by preaching the word of God, they must needs be not only eager for the salvation of souls, but also well-grounded in the knowledge of divine things. How many thankless and forgetful children of the Church have turned their backs on Christ's vicar, either through ignorance or perversity? Yet all these have to be brought back to the bosom of their common parent. How sorely we need Mary's motherly protection if we would heal these and the many other wounds of the present day. St. Dominic's children have, then, a practically limitless field in which they can most fruitfully toil for the salvation of mankind. Wherefore, we most urgently exhort all such as belong to this order to take occasion from these present solemnities, and so renew their spirit after the example of their most saintly founder. They must strive day by day to make themselves still more worthy children of their great father." It is but fitting that the children of his first order should lead the way and should consequently devote themselves with ever-growing keenness to preaching the divine word. From this there will spring up in men, in addition to devotion to the successor of St. Peter and love of the Blessed Virgin, knowledge of and watchful care for the truth. From St. Dominic's Tertiaries too, the Church expects abundant usefulness provided, that is, they strive with ever-growing diligence to conform themselves to the spirit of their founder by instructing in Christian doctrine the ignorant and illiterate of Christ's flock. In this task we earnestly desire to see a large band of them working assiduously, for this is a task of immense importance for the salvation of souls. Finally, we wish all St. Dominic's children to make it their particular task to familiarize Christ's flock with the use of the Holy Rosary. We ourselves, following in the footsteps of our predecessors, more especially of Leo the Thirteenth of happy memory, have given the same advice to the people, and most earnestly urge it now in these days of bitter affliction. If this practice be inculcated, then we shall feel that these present celebrations have been most fruitful. Meanwhile, as a pledge of God's gifts and a proof of our kindly feelings, we bestow upon you, venerable brethren and on all your clergy and people the apostolic blessing. Given at St. Peter's Rome, June 29th, the Feast of the Princes of the Apostles, 1921, in the seventh year of our pontificate, Benedict XV, Supreme Pontiff. End of Encyclical Letter, Fausto Appetente Die on St. Dominic.